Chapter 5 of the Boy Scouts on the Trail. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ripley High School Army JROTC. Dynamite! echoed Giraffe as his face blanched. And the silly was just going to give it a heave into the fire. Great Governor, what would have happened to the Silver Fox Patrol if he had? Please don't mention it, Giraffe, said poor Step Hen weakly. However, was I to know that it, what it was when I hadn't ever seen such a thing before in my, all my life? Well, remarked Thad grimly, that's the time you should have remembered that a scout must always be prepared to think for himself and observe too. I heard something of what was said as I stood here, watching. You had guessed easily enough that these were the tools with which bank burglars break into safes, and since you read the papers, Step in, you must surely know that they often use dynamite to burst open the lock of a safe. You never stop to think, that's trouble. All you had to do would be to say to yourself, now what would thieves be likely to have this for, because it must enter into their business? And the chances were ten to one you'd have guessed it right away. Think twice after this, step in, before you do a rash thing like that. The scoutmaster spoke more sternly than was his wont when dealing with those who were under his charge, because he had been horrified and thrilled when he realized the terrible danger that hovered over them all. Should step in manage to give the innocent-looking stick a toss into the fire before he could leap alongside and stay his arm? Perhaps the dynamite might not have exploded before he could, with a frantic effort, dislodge it from the burning brands, but the chances of it going off were legion, and he could never afterwards think of the incident without a shudder. I'll try and remember, Thad, said Step Hen meekly, for he was shivering now because of the narrow escape he and his chums had had. Thad, on his part, carefully placed the dangerous explosive in the crotch of a tree nearby where it could do no harm. We'd better bury it in the morning to get rid of it, he observed, as he sat down to examine the odd-looking assortment of little tools for himself. The others gathered around, curious to hear what Thad's opinion might be, for they were used to getting considerable store by his decisions on any subject. How do you suppose now, Thad? remarked Giraffe, to draw the other out. These fellers just came to stop over here and in the incidental place we chose for a camp? That's what's getting me. Oh, that's easy, replied the other with a little laugh. We seem to strike this place by accident, but I reckon that if you asked Ellie or Jim here about it, they'd be apt to tell you it's an old camping spot. How about it, men? Being here often with parties, replied the older guide promptly. Seen hundreds of fine trout jerked out in that, that pool over there. Me too, declared Jim grinning broadly at a f at finding how smart this boy seemed to be. There you are, Giraffe, Thad went on to say, turning once more to the scout. Perhaps, as someone said only a little while back, this leader of the sprinting yeggmen was himself been camping here. Why, there's a pretty good chance that Mr. Carson himself stopped here overnight, something like a week or less ago. But he didn't find that bag, nor his guides either, remarked Stepien with a little show of pride, as though he believed he ought to at least have a small amount of credit for bringing the thing to light. For good reason, Thad went on, because it wasn't in the bushes when Mr. Carson came along this way. 
You think then that the fellers who own these things must have been here after Mr. Carson was, do you, Thad? Davy Jones asked. I've got a good notion that way, the scoutmaster replied, and we're going to prove it presently. There are lots of ways to do that, you'll find. And if Alan and I happen to fall down, why, we'll call on Sabatis here to show us. Alan tells me that an Indian can read signs just like you would print, Davy. Like to see him try it, then, muttered the scout, casting a side glance towards the silent Penobscot brave, who was sitting there watching them, and never so much as opening his mouth or betraying any particular interest, though he must have heard every word that had been spoken thus far. After we've had a hack at it, we may, Thad admitted. You know, Alan is up to some of these things, and we ought to give him a show before calling in outside talent. Isn't that so, boys? Sure it is, cried Bumpus. And it's my private opinion, publicly expressed, that our comrade can deliver the goods, too. Give Alan a square deal, let him mosey around, and say what he thinks. Then we'll ask the guides to prove it. That's the ticket, fellers. And he can't begin to any too soon to satisfy my bump of curiosity. They do say at my house I'm a regular old woman for wanting to know. And I must acknowledge the corn, all right. Won't you get busy, Alan, and relieve a suffering public? Thus appealed to, the main boy could not resist. Of course, I'm not saying I can tell you all that either of these guides might not to mention Sabatis here, he remarked, but I'll do the best I can. Reckon that's about nigh all anyone can do, observed Draft, also getting to his feet, for he was more or less interested in any demonstration of woodcraft that applied to Boy Scout knowledge. Of course, I know that what the footprint of every one of us looks like even to our guides, began Alan, because I've made it my business to keep my eyes around. And the first thing I'm going to do is to find out if there is any track here different from ours. If I find that, I'll be pretty sure it was made by others who camped here within the last night or two. But why do you say that, demanded Bumpus eagerly. What if Mr. Carson did stop here five, six, or even seven nights ago? You might run on his track, you know. If I did, I'd know it, replied Alan. Not that I've even set eyes on the print of his hunting shoe or boot, if he wears such, instead of moccasins. But stop and remember, Bumpus, we had a heavy rain day before yesterday that must have passed over this section as well as where we struck it. After that, it turned cold. Oh, I forgot all about that, admitted the other scout, looking foolish. Why, of course, that same rain would have washed out the footprints of anybody who had camped here as long as four or five nights ago. That's right, Alan. If it didn't exactly wash the footprints out, it would make them look faint, and the trailer would soon know they were old. Now let me take a turn around and do the rest of you sit quiet here till I call out that I've found something. He took a blazing brand from the fire and, being, and began to move around the outskirts of the camp, beyond the tents and the glow of the fire. Why does he go so far away? asked Bumpus. Because we've been walking around here so much that all chances of making any discovery would be lost, replied Thad and out there he may stand and show. There I can see him stoop lower down, and I wouldn't be surprised if he'd hit a footprint right away. The others all craned their necks in order to see what Alan was doing, and of course Giraffe had them left far in the lurch when it came to this, on account of his being gifted by a bountiful nature with such an exceedingly long ostrich-like appendage below his head. Yes, he sure struck something, Giraffe declared, as though anxious to show what an advantage it was sometimes to be the professor of a neck that was longer than any of the others. There, he's beckoning to us to come on to come on over, fellers, exclaimed Bumpus, 
as he tried to leap to his feet, but owing to his weight, this was never an easy thing for him, and he did not refuse the helping hand Thad stretched out. So they joined Alan as he stood there holding his torch near the ground. What you found? asked Giraffe as they came up. Here's a print, all right, that seems altogether different from any of ours. I can show you that the shoe has been patched across the toe, and none of ours have such a mark. It's a fresh print, too, and that means the man who made it must have been here since that rainstorm. Is that clear enough for you boys? It's a cinch, that's what, Alan. Why, I'm only a tenderfoot scout, but I can understand that much, and I'm real glad to know it, too. We want to take a good look at that shoe print, fellers. Perhaps we might want to know it again sometime. Step Hen, as he said this, threw himself down on the ground and seemed to be making a mental photograph of the impression. How do you reckon they got here, Alan? By boat or through the woods? Uh, direct. Asked that as though he had himself been pondering over that question without being able to connect as yet. Let's take a look along the edge of the river, remarked the main boy. If so be they had a canoe, we ought to be able to see where it was pulled up on the little beach down there. Such a mark would would stay a long time unless the water rose, and I don't think that happened here. Not over half a foot, anyhow. So once more they walked after Alan, who was soon examining the shore up close to the edge of the water. There's a mark you can all see that looks as if a boat had been pulled up, but it's old and faint. The rain has nearly washed it out. Do any of you glimpse signs of another scratch that's fresher? Alan's purpose, of course, was to make his chums think they were having a hand in the search. Then, when telling the story afterwards, they could say, when we had hunted all along the th shore, we didn't find any fresh sign. We knew that the yeggs must sure have walked all the way through the woods. There was a little hustle as Giraffe, Davy, Stephen, and Bumpus all endeavored to earn the right to include themselves in the affair, after which they united in declaring that no further signs lay along the little beach. Well, we've settled that part of it pretty cleverly, I guess, Thad declared as he smiled at Alan. It was one of the easiest jobs I've ever tackled, declared the other. Wonder which, they, which way they went when they left here, Bumpus remarked. Now just don't bother your head about that, Bumpus, said Stephen. You're letting your envious mind think of the fat reward again, but you better forget it, Thad says. Oh, if they were making toward the Canada border, observed Alan, why, of course, they headed north after leaving here. And so are we, was all Bumpus allowed himself to say in reply, but the look he gave Stephen was sufficient to announce that he did not mean to wholly relinquish all idea that somehow, sometime, they might yet run across the fugitives and be able to capture them handsomely. The boys started back toward the fire. Some of them were even settled down close to the cheerful blaze, warming themselves and ready to talk some more about the strange thing that had happened. Bumpus was kicking his toe in the earth as if some object had attracted his attention. All at once he swooped down and then gave an utterance to an excited ejaculation. Looky what I got, fellers, he exclaimed, hurrying up to the fire. Money, real hard money, cried Stepien enviously. Where'd you dig that up, Bumpus? Say, perhaps there's more like it buried there. Maybe we'll all strike a gold mine and go home millionaires, every one. For Bumpus was holding a bright new five-dollar gold piece in his hand, at which they all stared with more or less light. I saw it shining and gave a little click at its place, thinking it might be a piece of glass or some old tin can cut off a can. Then it broke loose from the frozen dirt, and I saw this little beauty, Bumpus was saying in rapture. Easy money, grunted Giraffe, enviously, while Stephen darted over to see if he might not be as lucky, though only to meet with bitter disappointment. That seems to settle one thing, boys, remarked Thad. Those rascals did rob a bank before 
they took to the woods. And the stuff they got was so heavy to carry, they just had to throw away their tools here. That looks plain enough, don't it? All of them agreed that it did sound very much that way. Indeed, Davy Jones remarked that he considered them very sensible men, because he himself would only carry too gladly to get rid of some old steel tools if he had a chance to carry a bag of gold coins along. Ten minutes later, as they were talking and laughing there, never thinking how late the hour was getting and that they ought to be sinking their blankets under the shelter of the two tents, Sabattis was seen to quietly reach out his hand and pick up his gun, after which he slipped away. The boys exchanged glances, but made no remark. Another ten minutes passed by, when there came a startling interruption to the peace, quiet, of the camp. From some point nearby, a harsh voice suddenly sounded, thrilling the scouts as they seldom remembered being shaken. Throw up your hands there, every one of you, and see that you keep them raised, and if you know what's good for you. And at the same moment, three men issued from the recesses of the woods and advanced toward them, all of whom held level guns in their hands. End of chapter 5. Recording by Cadet Medford Ripley High School Army JROTC.